Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. What's up, guys? It's Jason from Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel. Football season is here, and there is no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. It's my favorite sports gambling app out there. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. They have exclusive offers, tons of ways to play like spread and money line, over-unders, team totals, same game parlays where you can combine multiple bets from the same game. My favorite feature is that cash-out feature. So if you already feel pretty good about your bet and you're in good shape but you don't want to lose whatever it is based on some stupid thing with garbage time at the end, you can cash out your winnings before the end of the game. Use promo code Jason T and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this football season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, Dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.
All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having an incredible week so far. We are going to hit on four additional teams today that we have not hit yet in this preseason. Last night, the Grizzlies and the Orlando Magic had a very interesting game because they left their starters in at the end and were actually trying to win. And the Orlando Magic looked really impressive. We're going to talk about Paolo Benchero and Franz Wagner and, and Wendell Carter Jr. We're also going to uh, talk a little bit about the Memphis Grizzlies and some stuff that I didn't like out of them in that game. And then on Sunday night, the Clippers and the Timberwolves played. I thought it was a good opportunity for us to see the Clippers within the context of this John Wall situation, trying to figure out whether or not he's going to start. We got to see John Wall be aggressive in that game in the context of playing alongside Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So I thought that was very informative. Um, you guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. That's also where I put NBA footage, footage breakdowns, little clips, things along those lines. That's where you're going to see that stuff, so you want to follow me there. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. And on that note, let's talk some basketball. So, with the Timberwolves, I want to cover them more in depth later this week when Gobert actually plays. I targeted this game more for the purpose of seeing John Wall as well as Kawhi and Paul George. Um, but I do think the Timberwolves are going to rely on Gobert probably more than any player on their roster this year, specifically because of how much he's going to have to clean up on the defensive end of the floor. They play against the Lakers tonight, and I would expect Gobert to play then. Um, if he doesn't play tonight, then there's a game from last week where they played against the Lakers without their stars. We'll at least get to take a look at how they looked offensively and some things along those lines. Uh, but we're not going to spend too much time on the Timberwolves today. In this game, like I said, Gobert didn't play. Their perimeter defense was atrocious, as was their help defense. I was concerned about that coming into this season because they shipped off a lot of their best perimeter defenders. Jordan McLaughlin in particular, one of the guys that they talked about filling in kind of in that Patrick Beverly role, was getting absolutely barbecued, giving up a ton of straight line drives, really struggling, is just a little bit undersized and just doesn't have good instincts, doesn't move his feet super well. That was definitely concerning. Anthony Edwards in particular had some really nice isolation defense possessions against both Kawhi and Paul George that just kind of reveal what his ultimate ceiling is, which is this dominant, you know, downhill power guard mixed with some legitimate wing defense in there. Uh, but it, it just was a whole it was a whole lot of Clippers getting that initial dribble penetration and then no help on the backside. A lot of like the Clippers were really hurting uh Minnesota in this game with slips. So you know uh the Clippers are playing a lot of perimeter players for the most part, although Zubac gets in there, right? But what was happening in a lot of cases is because so many players on the Clippers can shoot so well off the dribble. Like if you go under a ball screen against almost anybody in their rotation, they're going to pull up off the dribble. And so as a result of that, they had to come really high out of their drop coverages. And they would just, you know, identify, you know, push the ball in transition, identify who had the big on them run up to set the ball screen and then immediately slip it. And they were consistently hitting that guy slipping to the basket. And there just was no resistance on the back line. So translation, some of that is just the predicament that the Clippers put you in with how skilled they are on the perimeter. But a lot of it is just like Rudy Gobert is going to have his work cut out for him. If these perimeter players can't at least put up a little bit more resistance uh, at the point of attack, it's going to look a lot like the Utah Jazz over the course of the last couple of years. So that was definitely concerning. 
Uh, early on in the game, Anthony Edwards was spending a lot of time trying to attack uh, specifically Marcus Morris on switches. And early on, Ho- Morris was holding up pretty well, but then he started to finally just kind of rip through and use his speed and athleticism. And he was, and when, as is to be expected, when Anthony Edwards got downhill, they got good stuff. Um, D'Lo hit some shots. He had a nice dunk off of like a, a high post cut where he passed, made a post entry and then just cut off of him and got it and ended up dunking on, um, I can't remember who it was he dunked on somebody on the Clippers. Uh, but just in general, he struggled to get separation. I'm not the biggest D'Lo fan out there. I still think that when push comes to shove, this team, the eventual version of this team is going to involve him either being a six man or being out, uh, being shipped off somewhere in pursuit of a player that's a better fit for them. Again, we're going to dive deeper into the Timberwolves later on because I do want to spend a lot of time with uh, spending a lot of time talking about Gobert, but we're going to hopefully get a better sample of that tonight against the Lakers. So looking at the Clippers, um, John Wall started in this game and Reggie Jackson came off the bench um, in their first preseason game where they played all these guys, which I believe was like a week ago this past Monday. Um, In that game... Reggie Jackson started and John Wall came off the bench and you could tell almost right away John John struggled kind of identifying when to be aggressive in that particular lineup. Today with the starting group he was super aggressive. Uh, we have not heard from Ty Lue whether or not he plans on starting one or the other. My expectation is that he starts Reggie and that he brings John Wall off the bench and I think that makes the most sense. He's just going to have to get through to John that Uh, specifically with that bench group, that's when he can really turn it on and be aggressive. Because in this game, with the starting group, John was persistently trying to put his head down and get to the rim. And he was having a lot of success. Got to the foul line nine times. He had some and ones. He was, he was, John Wall looked usable, more than usable. He looked like a downhill guard that is going to be able to apply rim pressure and that is absolutely going to bring a positive dynamic to this team. However, in that first shift, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, it was kind of t- difficult to see where they were trying to get their touches and where their flow was in that particular offensive group. So I think it just makes more sense. First of all, Reggie Jackson is an aggressive guard too. The difference is, is Reggie Jackson is a gunner from the three-point line. So he's just more natural off-ball uh, alongside those two. It makes more sense to me to start Reggie. He's a little bit more willing to play off-ball. He's got experience playing alongside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in a tertiary role. Let him kind of run that spot. Bring John Wall as your first sub, or you know, around the six-minute mark of the first quarter. Then have Reggie Jackson go to the bench, and you give John a better uh, opportunity to be aggressive there. But again, he was getting to the rim. He was drawing fouls, drawing a lot of help defenders. There were a couple of crazy plays in this particular game where, like, he may or may not have gotten fouled, but like he's elevating to the rim, and bodies are just just colliding in midair, and like three dudes would go to the ground, like John and two players from the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then in the ensuing chaos, you know, they'd be pushed. Maybe they'd get a defensive rebound and push the other way, but maybe the Clippers would get an offensive rebound put back. The point being, he's like a wrecking ball just flying downhill. He's a lot bigger and stronger uh, than he was earlier on in his career when he was more thin, wiry, and athletic. And it's just, it's just a really interesting dynamic on this team. You know, um, the Clippers, one of the biggest downsides with the Clippers over the course of this era, this really disappointing Kawhi and Paul George era, has been their unwillingness to drive to the basket. Kawhi Leonard does it from time to time, um, but he likes to turn his back to the basket and operate out of the post a lot. Paul George 
Like last year was one of his best years attacking the basket. He had 2.2 made restricted area attempts per game, uh, which was a huge part of why it was a resurgent season from him. And I, and I think, um, I think in general, if you look back to the previous year in 2021, when he had his playoff run, that kind of erased a lot of the stigma that surrounded him throughout his career. The, the, the genesis of that kind of redemption for Paul George was putting his head down and getting to the rim. That At the end of the day, this is a drive and kick team, not a pull-up jump shooting team. That doesn't mean you can't take pull-up jump shots, and this team has a lot of guys who are good at taking and making pull-up jump shots. But at the end of the day, that's a lower quality shot that should be designed more to rescue possessions and or when a defense runs a really good 2v2 pick-and-roll coverage and you need to take that type of shot. That's one thing, but this team is at their best when they're at the rim and shooting catch-and-shoot threes. So getting another guy like John Wall in there who's very intentional intentional about putting his head down and getting to the rim, I think that's going to be a positive dynamic for this team. Um, I did not get to see enough of John Wall defensively, mainly because the Wolves just weren't really trying to get downhill. The guy that Anthony Edwards kept trying to attack on switches was Marcus Morris, Delo's just not much of a downhill player. This just wasn't the right game to get a good feel for John Wall in perimeter defense, sliding his feet and trying to contain quicker ball handlers. So I think I think I need to see a little bit more before I start making proclamations about how well he's going to fit because if he struggles defensively, that's going to be an issue. Um, but overall, kind of zooming out the John Wall thing, for what it was, which was a mid-level exception signing, of a player coming off an Achilles tear who didn't play any basketball last year. There's a range of outcomes that could potentially happen there, and this is better than expected so far. I think Clippers fans should be excited about that, but there is a lot to to learn still there, where he fits in the rotation, specifically they're off the bench or, or starting, and how he works on the defensive end of the floor. Um, looking at Kawhi. So, you know, there were some. Pl- I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about the difference between being yourself and being your best self as a basketball player, because um, I think all of you guys who listen to the show who play in some capacity or used to play in college or in high school are somewhat familiar with this concept. But people who don't play as much may not be. You know, there's like a there's like a baseline of what you can do on a basketball court, like your ability to shoot your ability to dribble, you know, your kind of natural feel for the speed of the game, right? And there are there are stretches in your life when you're healthy and you're playing a lot and you feel like your best self. You feel explosive. You feel like when you rise up into jumpers, you're getting great lift. You feel like when you try to make a move to get around a defensive player, you feel like you have a physical advantage. When you're getting to the rim and contact is happening around you, you power through the contact and you finish at the rim. But then there are these stretches where maybe you're dealing with a nagging injury. This happens to me a lot when my wife uh, fills up my social calendar when we end up going on vacation, you know, out of town for a week or two here or there. Like where you come back and it's like, you still could shoot. You still have your handle but like your body's just not right. Like you're, you're not moving as well as you normally do. You're not getting the right amount of lift on shots. You're kind of like losing those contact battles around the rim. And, and that, that is like a very frustrating phase to be in as a basketball player. Cause you know that there's this better version of you that's there, but you know, it's going to take a few weeks to get there and that can get frustrating. 
And it's just kind of like the natural ebb and flow of being at your peak physically versus being somewhere beneath that. And when you watch an NBA player who's in that phase, in the lower phase, in the phase where he's not quite where he's supposed to be, it's easy to think like, oh, that's Kawhi. He's healthy. He's out there playing. Or, you know, Steph in the 2016 finals or LeBron in the 2015 finals when he had his back injury. You can, you can look at it and be like, you know, that, that looks like that player. But deep down, they know that that's not their best version of their of themselves, and that's kind of the vibe that I was picking up from Kawhi in this game. Like Kawhi's back, he's playing, um, he's still big and strong, and he still can knock down a turnaround fadeaway and can knock down a pull up jumper going to his left or going to his right. But he just doesn't quite have the burst that he had in that 2021 playoff run when he really had it going. And there were still some highlights in there, right? Like he had a he had a play in the uh, second quarter where he was running a pick and roll on the right side of the floor, and he split the pick and roll and he dunked it. But it wasn't the same as when he like absolutely obliterated. I can't remember who it was on the Utah Jazz in that 2021 playoff run, uh, dunking in his face, where there's just like a ferociousness to it that wasn't there on this dunk, where he's kind of just extending his arm and and putting the ball in the basket, like. It's still a highlight. It's still Kawhi, but it's not the best version of himself. He made a mid-range fadeaway on the on the left elbow. He made a pull-up jumper softly off the rim, going to his left, uh, driving to the basket once in a pick and roll situation. Like he's he's making shots. He's Kawhi, but there's just not quite that same burst. And you know the the reality is is there's some combination of of factors at play here. It's some amount of, you know, like chronic, you know, degenerative knee stuff. And then some amount of that natural, like I was been talking about with all the teams, that natural preseason training camp breaking through the physical wall thing. There's a little bit of both of that happening there. The question is how much, how much of of it is the knee, which will not get better. And how much of it is the conditioning, which absolutely will get better. And that will be, end up being the biggest swing factor for the Clippers in this season. Because if he can get his legs underneath them and look like the old Kawhi at some point, they're going to be fine because that dude's one of the top six players in the NBA. But if he's you know somewhat compromised physically, then he turns into a guy that can attack some mismatches and knock down some shots and he can play some solid defense, but that's not... That's not a top 10 player if he can't move his feet and he doesn't have that burst that he usually has. So it's going to be a really, really interesting thing to track with him. Um, But man, it was glaring on tape. Left a lot of jumpers short in that game, which is always a telltale sign of a player who doesn't have his legs underneath him. Paul George more or less looked like PG in this game. He just didn't shoot well. Um, The one of the things that one of the thing I wanted to point out with the Clippers before we move on to the next game. Overall slow-footedness, and this kind of goes for both teams, by the way. There were some moments in this game where you're watching them run up and down the floor, and you're like, man, these teams are slow. Because first of all, they started Zubac, and he's not overly fast, right? And then you go over to Minnesota, and Carl Towns isn't overly fast. D'Angelo Russell isn't overly fast. Like, they just kind of looked a little bit slow. And a big part of it is the Clippers. You know, it's funny because myself included, we've talked a lot about how many wings they have. And they do have a ton of wings, make no mistake. But a lot of their wings are wings in size but not wings in quickness they've got some older guys that are aging that don't move super well like Marcus Morris a good wing played really well good versatile offensive game from him in this game 
but he's just a little bit slow-footed. And when Anthony Edwards really tried to get around him, he couldn't stop it. Nick Batum, really solid role player in this league, a good, smart wing. Starting to get a little slow. Robert Covington, you know, had some plays in this game, cutting to the basket, you know, making plays in passing lanes, just a little bit slow. And and then when you factor in Kawhi and John Wall coming in off of these significant injuries, it's just this, it's going to be matchup dependent, but it'd be really interesting to see if they ran into a team like the Golden State Warriors in a Western Conference Finals series. They're going to have a size advantage on the perimeter but the Warriors are going to have a big quickness and foot speed advantage. So it's just it's just something to keep an eye on. There is no perfect team in this league right now. All the teams have glaring flaws, even the teams on the top. But it's just something to keep an eye on with the Clippers. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can tip off the season with a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Just sign up with promo code JasonT. Here's a couple of futures that I would keep an eye on if I were you guys. Among the favorites to win the title, I really like the Warriors. Among the long-shot bets to win the title, I really like the 76ers and the Dallas Mavericks. And then on the MVP front... I think Giannis is going to get it this year. I really don't understand why Luka is the favorite. I don't think they're going to win nearly enough regular season games. Giannis is just a safe bet to put up monster numbers to win a ton of games. 
And it's been long enough since he won his last one that I think he's going to have some pull with the voters. FanDuel is my favorite sports betting app. I love how easy it is to use. I love how easy it is to get money in and out. I love that cash out feature that allows you to get out of a bet when garbage time could potentially ruin it. It's just the best there is right now. So NBA fans, see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code Jason T to get started with your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. All right, moving on to the Grizzlies and the Magic. So uh, I want to start with the Magic here because they were, I, I turned on this game because I wanted to see uh, like John Morant and how his progression is defensively and just in general how the Grizzlies look in terms of their sharpness on the defensive end of the floor uh, and in the habits and stuff like that. Uh, but I was, ended up being kind of taken aback by, one, how talented the Magic are, two, how organized and well-coached they are. We need to take some time to shout out Jamal Mosley here because like this team looked organized on offense. They were running a ton of stuff out of horns, which is like the perfect set to run when you have two really good post players, and in this case, or two really good forwards, I should say. And in this case, you got Wendell Carter Jr. and Paolo Bonchero. Both of them are huge. Wendell is a really solid defensive player who's got vertical spacing. He knocked down a three in this game, uh, at least one three in this game. And then Paolo Banchero is just a walking mismatch creator at six foot ten and as big and strong as he is. And they were running a lot of a lot of stuff out of horns to get their best players in the right spots. They had a really interesting action to start the game. Um, that was a uh, kind of a cross screen action in horns that flowed into a double. Uh, double high ball screen and Wendell Carter Jr. just slipped it while Paulo popped like we always talk about that double pick and roll someone slips someone's pop someone pops but you don't know who it is they both can shoot they both can dive to the rim who's it going to be well Wendell slipped it and he was actually the first screen in the action and he was wide open and ended up uh, uh, throwing down a dunk and like uh, just in general they, they they were um, running actions on a lot of their possessions down the floor, which is uncommon in the NBA. They were working with smart stuff to get Paolo an advantage, either tur- curling around screens or to get him switched onto smaller defensive players. They were just really well organized. They even ran, <laughs> they even ran a two-two-one full court zone press for large portions of this game, which is almost unheard of at the NBA level. And it was just a really smart little wrinkle. From Jamal Mosley, because what it ended up doing was it turned a lot of Memphis's possessions into late clock possessions before they even got across half court. Like they swing the ball back and forth and methodically work their way up against the press. All of a sudden, there's 11 seconds on the shot clock, and and John Morant's got the ball at the top of the key. You can't really run anything. It's like go create a shot. You better you you better beat someone off the dribble, and and that was kind of an interesting dynamic. Now. I don't think you could ever run that uh, extensively over the course of the season because I think eventually teams would figure out how to beat your press for dunks. So that's the one thing to keep an eye on. But I like the effort. I like the effort. And who knows, maybe maybe it ends up being something that they can lean on for large portions of the season. But I did want to take a second to shout out Jamal Mosley. The other thing that kind of just popped off the screen was just the talent on this roster. Franz Wagner, we're going to talk about here in a little bit, just a do-everything big wing. Paolo Monchero, another do-everything big wing. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. was super impressive this game on both ends of the floor, just flashes of jump shooting. Wendell Carter Jr. really, really took this game home at the end. Like I said, both teams left their starters in, and Wendell in particular made every big play down the stretch of this game, and then obviously Franz Wagner made two plays at the end of the game. We're going to get to that in a minute, but Bull Bull was out there. 
looking like a good NBA basketball player. And then don't forget Jalen Suggs is on this team, although he's, he's dealing with an injury right now. I, I believe the injury was less severe than they originally thought. So I think that's good news on that front. Hopefully he ends up coming back at some point in the season. Point is, this is a team that is really fascinating. And like and, and, and Terrence Ross, for, for, you know, for the record, is just a really solid NBA two guard that can do a lot of stuff on both ends of the floor. Had a, a really important pull-up jumper off of a curl at the end of this game. You obviously have Jonathan Isaac potentially coming back into the picture if he can ever get his ramp up going. This team has a ton of talent. And so I know it's been a long, boring stretch of Orlando Magic basketball, but they're going to be an interesting team uh, and a good league pass watch this year. Uh, and for, for starters, they, they came out the gates in this game and just kind of beat Memphis's ass. They were up... 23-9, I believe, at one point uh, off of a trailing Wendell Carter Jr. three in the first quarter. And then it got close late in the game. John Conchar made a, uh, a three to tie the game at 95. And then from there, it was the Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz Wagner show. So uh, John Conchar makes a three to tie the game at 95. They go down the floor. They run one of their horn sets. And Wendell Carter Jr. just fakes a dribble handoff and, and whips around to his left and goes all the way to the rim. Xavier Tillman kind of lunges too far to hedge on the dribble handoff, and Wendell just takes him right to the basket for an and one. A recurring theme down the stretch of this game, Xavier Tillman really struggled defensively, jumping out of position way too easily, offering too much help, and Wendell Carter Jr. made him pay. And that's what you want from a big. Bigs are trained to think that they can help all over the place because typically bigs are unskilled offensively, so they can be roamers defensively. If your big can consistently make teams pay for not guarding him or for helping off of him, it just makes a lot of NBA defensive schemes struggle. So after he makes the free throw to put him up three, uh, John Morant gets switched on Wendell Carter Jr. and then tries to drive to the basket on him and doesn't even come close to making the layup because Wendell just smothers him with his size. John Morant had a really rough night in this game, in large part because Wendell Carter Jr. was bothering him at the rim, and then John Morant's jumper wasn't falling. And with these big super athletic guards, or these little super athletic guards, I should say, when their jumper fails them, teams can really sag back on them, and then it, a lot starts to fall apart for them. On the last play of the game, when Franz Wagner picked John Morant, a big part of why he picked him is he's able to continuously backpedal and he knows Jaw's going to drive because he doesn't have confidence in his shot. It just makes you one dimensional. It makes you a lot easier to guard. Um, so uh, Magic had the ball up three. Franz ended up traveling on a post up. Uh, uh, Desmond Bain ended up driving and making a layup on Cole Anthony. Also Cole Anthony did not look great on either end of the floor in this game. Uh, but then on the next possession, Franz Wagner runs a pick and roll with Wendell Carter Jr. And Wendell slips it once again. Um, uh, Xavier Tillman on this play, like wildly hedged out on uh, to to uh, Franz's uh, right hand, even though it was like 26 feet away from the basket, and he wasn't super aggressive shooting off the dribble in this game. Although he did make a big one at the end, and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. just slipped it. Franz hit him, and he made an easy little like 12 foot jump shot. Once again, Xavier Tillman was just all over the place in this game. Uh, but from there, uh, uh, Dylan Brooks ended up missing a three. And then Terrence Ross got fouled on a three. He made two out of three free throws to put them up five. Ja ended up having a crazy out-of-control drive where he lost control of the basketball but then just threw up some junk, and it went in. He got an and one, brought it back to two. But on the last possession, the last sequence, Franz Wagner gets Brandon Clark on a switch, and he does that high hesitation with his right hand, 
And again, I, I always tell young basketball players, build your offensive set out of high hesitations because one, refs don't call carries anymore. And two, it's the perfect bridge move that bridges all moves together. You can go from a high hesitation into it in and out, back into a high hesitation, into a through your legs, high hesitation, behind the back, high hesitation, or any combination to high hesitation. You could do it anywhere. And then most importantly, from a high hesitation, you can go up into a jump shot or you can just push the ball in front of you and go to the basket. It's like the ultimate bridge move. So Franz has Brandon Clark on an ISO, does like a stutter step and goes into his high hesitation and then just pulls the ball back. And when he pulls the ball back, Brandon Clark kind of takes a defensive slide step to the left and now there's like 10 feet of separation. And Franz just sticks a cold-blooded three from the top of the key to put him up five. And then like I told you guys, Jaw forces the action back down on the other end of the floor and immediately gets stripped by Franz. So a lot of talent in this on this team. They went out there and they whooped Memphis's ass in that game. They're going to be a fun team to watch in League Pass. I I I think I think that uh, I think that they're going to be a team that is up and coming over the course of the next few years. One last note on Paolo Banchero before we get out of here. He first of all he looks huge, which is not a big surprise. He looked huge when I went to go watch him in summer league. Um, the size thing is legitimately going to be a problem for teams. There was a really interesting play that Jamal Mosley ran, which I thought was smart. They cleared the right side for Paolo, and Paolo was in the corner. And then they had Cole Anthony go and set a wide pin down on Paolo's man. Who's guarding Cole Anthony? John Morant, right? So um, I can't remember who it was that was guarding um, uh, that was guarding Paolo, but uh, 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 they had to chase Paolo over the top of the screen, right? Well, who's helping? It's John Morant, the guy who's helping on the curl is John Morant. So uh, uh, Paolo's got his defender behind him, and he catches the ball, and he just powered right through Ja um, for an easy layup. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, I'm like, that's such an easy, basic action that the Magic can run to get just about anything they want around the rim, clear the side, put Paolo uh, over there, have your smallest guard go set a wide pin down, have him curl around it. If the defender goes underneath the screen, he can pop and he can get wide open 10, 15 footers all game long. And if he chases him over the top of the screen, he's just going to power through jaw every single time. Actually, I think on that particular play, he ended up drawing a goaltending call as the defender tried to come over the top, which once again, when you're chasing over the top of the screen, you're already out of position. So it's just, it's just a really, it's just a really interesting dynamic that Paolo brings to this team. Another size related thing. There was a play where Santi Aldama tried to box him out underneath the basket and Paolo just buried him under the rim, jumped over the top of him, grabbed an offensive rebound, and put it back in for an and one plus the foul. So like, he's just a he's a big dude who is skilled as hell from all spots on the floor, and he's just going to score the basketball easy for his entire NBA career. Uh, it's almost like a big power forward version of Carmelo Anthony, like a little bit bigger version of him. Not as quick, but bigger and has a little bit more of a power game. His handle looks smooth and confident, especially when he's given space by big defenders. He can get a little bit uh, loose with it when uh, when it gets a little congested around him. And then he transitions from dribble to shot very smoothly, which is one of the most underrated skills in basketball, the ability to go into a shot from any spot on the floor. That's, what, that's what's going to make him such a dynamic pull-up shooter over the years. And he just thrives in the physicality, doesn't shy away from it, inflicts his size on people. He's one of my favorite young players in the league. I still think... I'd like the I I'm torn right now between whether or not I think Paolo's the best or Jaden Ivey's the best because I'm so high on Jaden Ivey and his ability to get dribble penetration, uh, but I think I lean Paolo right now as the best player in this class. 
All right, that is all I have for today, guys. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support. Later this week, we're going to have um, we're going to hit on a couple other teams that we haven't hit on yet. We're also going to uh, do a breakdown of the Redeem Team documentary, which I have not actually watched yet, but it's on my list to watch tomorrow morning. So we'll be covering that as well. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support, and I will see you next time. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.